Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. We have several episodes for you in the works about London. In upcoming episodes, we're going to discuss fun things to do in the city, London's food scene, historic sites, a whole lot more. But before we begin these episodes, we thought that we'd start with a recap of our flight experience. We encountered some things that worked well, quite a few that did not, and we had one big epiphany. We're also going to end today's episode with tips and tricks for you to consider to maximize your time during a layover. So that's our flight plan for this episode. And with that, let's get the show on the road. So let's get started. With some pre-flight information. As always, before we do an international flight, I don't know if I distress you with my... uh, You do distress me. I love my sleep. With my tips to try to acclimate to the upcoming time zone starting two weeks before we ever leave. That's the first thing we probably started to do. Well, this time it was two weeks. Yeah. You've done even earlier than that. Yeah, so we did like two weeks before, started a day-by-day go to bed 20 minutes earlier and wake up 20 minutes earlier so that by the time we leave, we're close to London time zone. So that was one of the pre-prep things we did. And it actually works fantastic. It's just that you are so thrown off before you get on that flight that it's not an easy thing to do. Let's put it that way. For me, it's not an easy thing to do. But now it's, it's part of my system. It's part of the routine. Oftentimes, it seems that when we have a trip coming up for multiple reasons, packing is somewhat problematic with a whole lot of scurrying at the very last minute. My memory of this trip is that we kind of had our stuff in order more so than usual. Do you remember the saying? Yes, we did. And I think it was very intentional to have, and I'm just going to, I'm learning from the best right here from this this person that is sitting across the table from me, that lists. Lists are fantastic. So I cr- started creating a list way before the trip was even scheduled. Yeah. So by the time I got to the packing, I just pulled the list out and we just started going through the list and say, okay, we got that, got that, got that. Yeah. And it worked really well. Yeah, it seemed like this was one of the least stressful times in terms of the whole getting ready and packing that we've had in quite a while. So that worked well. And then you you have a personal ritual that you do before our big trips. I do. On the big trips, I get my nails and my toenails done. I do the whole pedicure and the manicure and I get the nails with color, some kind of color. And it's just fun. It's just like a fun ritual for me. And it also kind of saves my nails from cracking and having problems during the trip. I tend to have nails that tend to break a lot. So I know now that when your nails become 
brightly colored, that means we're going on a big trip. <laughs> yeah. And then it was time for the flight day. Yes, the flight day is always exciting for us. With this flight, we had a flight time of around 8 a.m. at the Los Angeles International Airport. So we set our alarm to go off on a Wednesday morning at 1.23 a.m. This is arts planning. I go with it, and it always works, so I'm good with it. We planned on leaving the house by 3 a.m., which gave us about 90 minutes before we headed out the door, which is actually a very good idea because there's always those last minutes that you think about And if you can stop just for a moment and not feel so rushed, Mm -hmm. you can go over those last minutes so you don't forget anything. Yeah, and that gave us time to take a shower because we weren't going to be in a shower for 30-some-odd hours. And so that was kind of nice. Feeling pretty good, getting out the door. We got out at 3 a.m. and we drove our van to what we have here called the Van Nuys Flyaway, which is a shuttle service to LAX Airport. This is typically where we leave our car when we're flying out of Southern California. This is only $6 a day for a parking fee, and that is extremely reasonable. From the flyaway, we take the shuttle, which is also very reasonably priced, which takes us to the LAX International Airport, along with many other travelers. We do have a lesson that we'd like to pass on to you. And that is, don't expect things to be the same from a prior experience. Whether a shuttle service or an airport scenario, things constantly change. It is best to expect change and be ready, and this is our motto, be ready to go with the flow. Yeah, so on the shuttle, we noticed that the whole ticket buying process had changed from what it has been for years and probably decades, so... Something new, and we adjusted and adapted, and next thing you know, we're at Los Angeles International Airport. Process for getting through security there, pretty straightforward at LAX, although I think like a lot of airports, it just, um, there's a bit of that hassle feeling, I yeah, guess, right? I, I, just the whole I process. I think their airports are very different from yeah. around the world. They're all different, but yeah. LAX in particular seems like a hassle. And then we had this other thing that, now it's happened to us multiple times at LAX. When we finally got to the terminal, I remember, you know, I sat down, I looked at the the chairs around me, and there's the charging outlets and USB plugs. So I plug in my phone because we had some time to kill, and I thought I'd do whatever, you know, look at the news or browse the internet. My phone is plugged in, and after sitting there for a while, one of us, maybe it was you, noticed again that behind the chairs that you're sitting in, these electrical cords that are supposed to be plugged in. Yeah, the plugs are on the actual chairs. Yeah. And they're supposed to be plugged in somewhere so you can actually get a charge. Yes. But lo and behold. Once again, the electric cord that comes out of the back of these chair units is just sitting on the floor, plugged into nothing. So, of course, the phone isn't getting charged. Nothing's getting charged. And it's disappointing to discover after you've plugged in your device that there's no charge happening. And it's even more disappointing if you've been using the device to surf the internet, running down your battery a bit. So lesson number two is when you're at the airport, ensure that the charging icon 
on your device shows that your device is charging when you think it's supposed to be charging because things like that happen. So here we are at the airport. We were there more than two hours before our flight time, which is recommended for any international flight. And since we didn't have breakfast at home, we got some coffee and a small bite inside the airport. However, food at this airport can be on the very pricey side. And we have learned this lesson before. So our lesson is, and this is lesson number three, is to bring snacks for a very long flight. And those came in handy. Mm -hmm. So the flight to London, the first leg, was from LAX to Toronto. This flight had two segments with both flights that were on Air Canada. I can't say we were impressed with anything particular with Air Canada. And then another example of you know something I ran into on the Air Canada flight, knowing that it was going to be a long flight, I had planned to use my iPhone for the duration of the flight. I had I had it loaded with audible books, with podcasts, things just to keep me entertained during the flight, but also knowing that if I was going to be using my phone that much, I wanted to have the ability to charge it. So, of course, the plane was going to have a charging socket for me. And it turned out they did, but where I kind of messed up a bit is I brought, I call it my super go-fast iPhone charger. So they Apple sells this one brand of charger for the iPhone that's supposed to charge it like faster than most other chargers. The problem with it is the cord for that charger terminates with a USB-C plug. The aircraft did have charging ports, but only those that accept the old-fashioned USB-A plug. Which brings us to lesson number four. When you're flying, be sure to bring a cable with a USB-A end for your devices on your airplane trip. Or an adapter. Or an adapter, yeah. You're not always guaranteed a USB port on a flight as we've encountered, but it's almost always this type of connection you're going to have when there is a USB port. So that was, that was a, a learning moment for me. Yeah, and this first leg was five hours. That's how long it took us to get to Toronto. And oddly enough, and I don't know why this seems odd to me, I think I expect something from an airline in regards to food. And on that first leg, there was no food served at all. Yeah, it was. I was yeah, surprised how absolutely minimal it was, like just like next to nothing. Even like yeah. the standard pack of peanuts and pretzels. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So the lesson prior about bringing snacks onto uh, the airplane is absolutely a great idea. We did have some cliff bars, so that held us over for a while. Carry on baggage on Air Canada Flight 854. So we arrived in Toronto and we were at the YYZ airport where we had about a three and a half hour layover. We purposely booked our flight with this stop and we'll get into some reasons later in this episode why we did that. But generally we like to break up our international flights with a layover. The benefits we get to stretch our legs. We get the opportunity for better food than we typically encounter on the plane itself, if there is food served, that is. The Toronto airport is a modern airport that could teach LAX a few things. 
It offers plenty of charging stations, and a bonus is they actually all work. Yay. The seating is very comfortable and varied throughout the terminal. Of course, as we were flying to London, we were in the international terminal section, so we don't know if the quality of the airport is the same in every terminal, but we were impressed with the features of this particular terminal. And there were many options for food and drink, and there was shopping. There was many places we could go and choose food from, which was great to have that kind of variety, too. Yeah, I was really impressed with that airport. Upon arrival, we learned the initial time of our layover would be slightly extended as the plane we were boarding on was late to get in. So as we were waiting, we had mentioned that we do like to bring some food along with us, especially because we are vegetarians and sometimes it's hard to find vegetarian food. So I had brought some of our own vegetarian wraps and a cut-up apple, so we just sat there and ate that while we were waiting for the flight to be prepared. And that worked out. It worked out great. And it was during this layover in Toronto where we came upon what I'm calling our epiphany for layover flights. Maybe some of you have already figured this one out. (laughs) We've been flying for a long time. It just kind of dawned on us when we were at the airport. So we're walking down some aisle in, in the terminal, or towards the terminal. We were walking towards the terminal that we were, were supposed to uh, get our uh, connection flight. And I said, hmm, we're in Toronto. You have family here. Did you even contact them? So that's probably when I hit my head. <laughs> From this point forward, this will be known as Julie's awesome layover epiphany, <laughs> which basically is that When you have a flight that's going to have a layover, if the layover is going to be in a city that you'd like to explore, even if it's just for like 24 hours, you might think of instead of just sitting at the airport for two to three hours and rushing to your next flight, stay in the city for a day. Visit your family. (laughs) Visit your family, visit the city, add a new adventure to whatever whatever it is that you're otherwise doing on your trip. So that's a takeaway that we're going to keep with us for the future. But for this trip, it was not to be, but absolutely a consideration for future travel to make the layover locations an extra part of a trip when practical. So that's our lesson number five. Consider extending your layover into a one-day stopover for a bigger break and a chance to see a few sites in a city beyond the airport terminal. All right, let's move on to leg two of our flight to London. For the second leg, we actually reserved the front row seats in the economy section. And in this row, we didn't have anyone in front of us. Instead, a wall separated the areas of the plane directly in front, which also housed bathrooms. The benefit was the extra leg room and the ease of getting in and out of our seats. The con of being in these seats was being unable to keep anything under the seat before us. So usually you can shove something under the seat, your carry-on bag, so you have easy access to it, grab it when you need it, but not in these seats. There's nowhere to put the bag because it's, yeah, other it's than just... Overhead. You have yeah. to put it in overhead. Yeah, and so and for, for they me... They require you to put it in yeah. overhead. For me, for this one, the benefits outweigh the cons. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. 
because we were very tired and we were hoping that we could get some rest on the second leg. So lesson six, we learned this one years ago, but the lesson here is to reserve your seat choice as early as possible. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, Julie, that we flew economy and you know, oftentimes when we're looking at these international flights, price is a consideration for us. And that, that is a benefit. You know, the cost is much less. But the cons of economy, and, and I don't know if it's the same as it's always been, but... Ex- it seems ex- different. Yeah, it? it seems to be extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Seats barely recline. You notice you had a seat that was broken, but the, you were trying to recline. The seat in front of me was broken, so yeah. it was always back. Okay. But I think and you also tried to recline at some point, and it went back, it seemed like half an inch or like barely, yeah, it was, right? Yeah, it was like ridiculous. Yeah. And so all of that makes sleep virtually impossible, and you sit there and you're slightly jealous of the folks in business class, but the, yeah, the price difference from economy to business class, it's extreme. And I mean, if you're able to afford it, you know, more power to you. Someday I would love to have an international flight where we get those seats where you can kind of lay down in, but so far we haven't had that experience. Someday, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. This flight was act- it was seven hours, yep. and we should have slept, but there was just no way that we were going to sleep. Not in those seats; it just was not comfortable. Yeah. And then when we tried to sleep, uh, the plane entered some turbulence, so that kind of woke us up. So it was just not to be. No sleep. No sleep. But we did try to do some other things to help out our bodies somewhat. Yeah, we having been through some lessons of my own from several past very long international flights. We do know that sitting for extended periods of time is just not good for your legs or your feet. We both previously encountered some ill effects from these long flights that impacted our legs and feet for days. After just sitting there, the blood's not moving. It's just stagnant. This is also a scenario where very rarely, but it's also a scenario where people can form blood clots while on flights. So we decided to take some action and we purchased some compression socks for this flight to see if that would improve the circulation a little bit while we were on the plane and on this trip. These compression socks were touted as a great way to ease the discomfort that is associated with these long flights. Not only do they provide extra comfort, but they also help promote the circulation and reduce the risk of deep vein thrombosis or blood clots. Compression socks can be especially beneficial if you've had an extended layover between flights. As sitting for longer can lead to swelling and discomfort in the lower legs, I've actually experienced that, and it's it's really, really bad. I, it was so bad, I couldn't... We were in Germany or something? It was yeah. a layover in Germany, and we I got off the flight. My entire legs were so swollen. I was barely walking. The edema was so visible. Mm-hmm. It, scared, it scared me. Yeah, I remember the flight before this one, the international flight before it, Something related to everything that you're talking about, I had problems with my legs. It was like about for at least a week after we got back, and it was so bad that I ended up seeing my doctor. Mm -hmm. And I think it was at that time he mentioned, hey, next time you fly, try compression socks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it does relieve the aching and the swelling that happens during these flights. You know, they say 
make sure you get up and walk around the plane. But there are times where that's not possible. So we decided to take this extra step. Yeah. And in fact, on this flight, on the seven-hour segment, I, I think I remember the airline crew trying to make a point of don't walk around and don't loiter. And there's this balance that they're trying to do between Mm -hmm. have a safe environment. But I mean, that's a long time to sit. It's a very long time to sit. And seven hours wasn't as bad. We've had flights where it's been 12, 14 hours. That was the Germany flight. It was like 11 hours or 12 or I forget, but it was so long. So these particular socks worked very well for us. There are different types of socks. You can get knee-high socks. You can get socks that are just ankles, but they keep the feet pushing the blood upward. So that's, you know, that's a, a benefit for you. So depending on what works for you, take a look at that. They are more expensive than just a regular sock, but I think they're well worth it. So that's our lesson seven, wear compression socks for very long flights. So we'll leave a link in the show notes for the compression socks that we used. And finally, next thing you know, we've been awake for 34 hours before we got a chance to sleep, arrived in London, found ourselves at Heathrow Airport, where one of the first things we did was purchase our Oyster cards, which you use to travel the absolutely fantastic tube system that they have there. I love it. And we knew we were going to be in London for five days, so we filled our cards with 45 pounds apiece, knowing that we could top them off later if needed. And the next part of that journey is going to be the foundation for upcoming episodes. So again, we have lots to share with you about London and beyond. We mentioned we had some layover tips, so we uh, are going to jump into that. And after our flight, we talked and reflected on the layovers, and we wanted to share with you the things that we had discovered and talked about. When booking a long flight, you have a lot of decisions to make. And one of these is to decide if you take a direct flight or one with a layover. Whether you are an experienced traveler or just beginning to explore this world, it is important to understand how to manage a layover. Layovers can often be inconvenient. They can be tiring. We've been traveling for years and even recently had at least one major epiphany regarding layovers. So layover versus stopover. Let's start with a couple of definitions on that. A layover is generally considered a stop for less than 24 hours if you fly internationally. If you stop for more than 24 hours, we call that a stopover. And I thought it would be interesting to look at some cost implications of making this decision. And we're going to explore that next here. So when you book a flight, you're going to see options for direct flights versus those with one stop or even more stops before you get to your final destination. Airlines usually offer a lower price for flights that have extended layovers. So if you're willing to spend a bit more time getting to your destination, you can often save some money by selecting a flight with a layover. I experimented on Expedia this morning to dig a little bit deeper into the cost difference with an eye on the length of the layover, given reflecting on Julie's awesome layover epiphany. And while I have a particular example that I worked through, just know that there's just as many different results in a world of thousands of flights and hundreds of thousands of flight combinations. The one I'm going to share with you is based on the type of travel that we're discussing 
when we got ourselves to London. So that that's the context for my little experiment here. So having recently flown to London and knowing that our flight included one layover on the East Coast, I looked at some examples on if I was to price that today with some different options, what would that look like? And when I went to Expedia today, I wasn't finding a layover in Toronto, but the closest thing I was finding was a layover in New York, so I'm using that. So here we go. The nonstop rate, about a month out from when we're recording this podcast, nonstop rate, $573, and that's for a a one-way trip. If I add a layover in New York, the price drops almost $87 for the one-way trip down to $486. I then priced the journey with an extended stay in New York. So if I wanted to explore the city for at least 24 hours before getting onto the second leg of the flight, what would that do to the price? I found a one-way trip from LA to New York for $108, which is kind of stunning. And that was available on both JetBlue and Delta. And then to get from New York to London, the cheapest I found was $432, on American Airlines. That makes the total price with a 24-hour stopover instead of a short layover, 540 bucks, which is still cheaper than the nonstop rate by 33 bucks, and just $60 more than the standard layover rate. So, if $60 is worth it to you to buy some time to see a city, this is an example of how to break up your flight, see a little bit more than you otherwise would, And with such a stop, it does give you an extra day to build your time zone change shock into your system and, you know, just affords a way to see something that you otherwise wouldn't. And, you know, when I was doing this, I was thinking all these layovers we've had through the years, we've had layovers in Switzerland, we've had layovers in Munich, layovers in these places we've not stepped out of the airport. Mm -hmm. Thinking of this new way, I think in the future when we have an opportunity where we know the, the plane's probably going to stop somewhere anyways, we may start doing some stopovers instead of the two-hour layovers. I have a question. Yes? What does security look like when you leave the airport and return to it 24 hours later? That is a very good question. So you will have to go through security again. And depending on the international component of your trip, you may have to pass through immigration and check in again. That does become an issue. And there's one more thing that could come up, and this is going to be a situation in some cases on international travel. And that is that you may need to obtain what they call a transit visa. This is a visa that permits you to stay in a country for a short time, usually between 24 to 72 hours. So that brings up the situation where you don't want to assume that you can spend more than 24 hours in another country without a visa. So if you want to plan a stopover, you'll want to check to see if a transit visa is required. I hear that they're usually easy to apply for, inexpensive to obtain, and the benefit is, again, you can get yourself a day or two to explore a new destination. Yes. So again, that's part of the cost analysis. Mm -hmm. Is it worth seeing a place you haven't seen for even if it's a day? I think yes. The other thing that's going to come up too is if you're going to be there like a day, you're also going to drop money on a hotel. Yeah. But again, you'll get to see a new place. Right. Yeah. So how do you maximize your time during these layovers? Let's talk about that 
So if you change your layover to a stopover for one or two days, here are a few thoughts on filling that time. Consider a hotel near the airport. Stay close to the airport if you're staying for just one day. Take an organized tour of the city. There's companies like Viator or Get Your Guide that are great resources for that. Try the local cuisine, which we always love to do. Yep. And visit the top attraction on TripAdvisor. Easy to do. We were in Toronto. We did have family there, of course. But you could easily go on TripAdvisor and say, wow, look at Here's the Toronto Hockey Hall of Fame. Let's go to that. And that is on my bucket list of things to visit. Yes. And we were there. And had I known <laughs> about your awesome epiphany idea beforehand... We could have talked to you about how awesome it was to visit the Hockey Hall of Fame, but that report will have to wait for another, another podcast episode. And with that, we hope you've picked up some helpful information from our learning lessons and extra tips for layovers, stopovers, and even a few things just regarding long flights. If you have any more tips regarding any of the things we talked about, Feel free to drop us a line at comments at theplaceswherewego.com and we'll share your ideas with the Places Where We Go audience. And if you'd like more travel tips, we share more than you hear on this podcast in our weekly newsletter. Visit the link in the show notes to subscribe. It's 100% free and we bring you weekly information to inspire your wanderlust plus travel tips to save you time, money, and stress. And if you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute to do so in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite source for podcasts and catch our future episodes. Join us on our next episode as we bring you stories from our travel adventures. Until next time, happy travels, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. See you next time. Bye now.